You're listening to Consolidate That. Welcome back to Consolidate That, Ivan. Excited to, to chat with you again today. Yeah, I'm excited as well. We had a pretty interesting uh, quarterly planning yesterday. Always a fun event. I am very excited bringing this guest today. So we have Yang Shi. I met Yang when he was at NVA and he was a he was a big shot there. It was a good gig for him, I think. It was very interesting to get his perspective. So I was selling SmartFlow and he was uh, not buying SmartFlow, but I was trying. So he was recommending. I think I've had that experience place. before with a lot of people. So. <laughs> yeah. So, but now Yanni is a co-founder and the CEO of VetSnap. It's a very interesting uh, solution. It helps the clinic level inventory management process and they're working on end-to-end solution to the entire inventory management process. Before VetSnap, he held the position of Senior Director and Head of Technology at National Veterinary Associates. And he graduated from Stanford University in 2006 with master degrees in electrical engineering, and then he proceeded to receive an MBA education from Business School of the World. So the topic today, we're going to talk more about your sort of experience with the technology at the macro level in the consolidation. It's very interesting. So we have a couple episodes already with a couple sort of vendors on the side of what I call a consolidator's tech stack. And there's two levels that we usually talk about. There's a business systems and then there's clinical systems. I I'm really want to talk to you about both and they're always, you know, they're interconnected. But if we could maybe err on the side of the business systems and what would be really cool to talk about, you know, what what it was like, whatever you're okay to disclose, and, and mm-hmm. what would you do different if you were to start like a new consolidation, depending on what kind of consolidation, so all of that. But with that, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Ivan. Thanks, Ryan. Really sure. glad to be on. We took a couple minutes there before Ivan let you speak, so I'm glad. I'm glad he let you catch up with us. So we're, we're happy to have you. I think there's going to be some cool stuff and you've got a really neat background. Awesome. When we sort of prep for this and discuss this, you said that, you know, it's not about, you don't start with technology. You said that first you want to determine what it would be known for as mm-hmm. consolidators. So what do you mean? What do you mean by that in the angle of technology? Yeah. So I think about technology and I think this is familiar to some people, this concept, you think about people first then your processes, right? Like for your corporate processes and as a consolidator at your hospital level, you think about the people, you think about what they're doing on a day-to-day and only last do you think about technology. You don't want to make technology be the tail that's wagging the dog because it's, it's going to not be well-received. That's a good point. I think a lot of times it does go the opposite way. People think of, they go out and they shop for a technology and then they decide, yep, this is the one we want. Now let's convince all the people that it's the right decision. So how do you how do you look at that as a way to frame what you want to be known for as a consolidator? Obviously, people first, yeah. but more so than that, where where else do you see that leading? And before going to that, is like the, the reason why it's important is for consolidators, right? You run the spectrum of large and small consolidators, and capital is sometimes scarce unless you're very big, like National Veterinary Associates, you know, or or Mars or something like that. But normally, capital is scarce. Then two is like technology investments, they only make sense if there's a high degree of utilization. And that's why people in process is so important because if you don't observe your people in process, right? Like if it doesn't fit the culture, if it's not fit, it's not helping them at the hospital level or at the corporate level do their day-to-day jobs better, it's not gonna be well-received and it's, it's gonna cost a lot of money, right? It's gonna cost money to deploy, it's gonna cost money 
to buy, customize, and then it's going to cause a lot of disruption. So that's why it's it's important. Going to your question of like, how do you determine what you want to be known for as a consolidator when it comes to technology? I think that's important, right? Because in a lot of cases, you know, very simply, you know, as a consolidator, you know, either you're a geographically concentrated consolidator, you're either in the Southwest, Southeast, somewhere, or you're a specialty hospital consolidator, or, you know, like you're thinking about doing some kind of hub and spoke approach to consolidation, or you also think about it along another axis, you're more hands-off or you're more hands-on. All that, you know, along with the maturity of your organization, the consolidator's organization, your back office, that all determines what you want to be known for. When you're talking about, you know, you think about the people and I can kind of escalate it. I, I had this uh, coach that I was working with. He was coaching me. <laughs> so systems are sort of the basis of the organizations that you pick to kind of perform the duties. And then if you think about the systems, you should be thinking about the people that are going to be working in those systems, what structure of the organization is there, and then the process and then you get up from that to what's the strategy. And even one more layer up is what's the purpose. So we talk a lot about the purpose and, you know, how the organizations are uh, having a buy-in for change management and things like that. And, and a lot of the times, unfortunately, consolidators don't have that purpose well-defined. There's a process, here's the people, here's the structure, how are we going to function? Sometimes there's a bit of a strategy. So how did those two things, strategy and the maybe purpose, if you can touch on that, like what does it mean to follow your strategy with technology? Things change a lot. And this is my personal opinion. To answer your question, I think strategy and even your mission, whatever you communicate outwards in the process of courting and acquiring hospitals, that may change over time. And I would say like at a very generalized level, don't stay too married. Don't make too many big bets on your technology. The only things that you really might think about that will impact your acquisition process from a technology standpoint might be things like your practice management system, whether or not this is a common question that comes up. Do you want to be standardized on one practice management system? Or are you allowing them to stay on their existing platforms? Related to that then is the data aggregation. Because as a consolidator, you need to have a really good ability to get to your hospital's data, whether it's for closing the books, whether it's for doing marketing support, anything else. And I think those two things you want to constantly evaluate as you're growing and maturing as a consolidator. But this is just my opinion, having gone through the, the ringer. There's nothing that really is a big decision that you have to stick with for many, many years. Back office software, it's going to change. You're going to be leveraging QuickBooks when you're small. And then at some point, you might need to leverage a much more sophisticated bookkeeping management software and things need to tie. So I'd say like there's, there's not a lot that you really have to think long term on. I'd say just be nimble when you're thinking about technology. One of the things that we've talked about here, and I think that this is what sort of we're preaching in our consolidated operating framework is that if you cultivate the culture of continuous improvement, then the change is easier. Like if that's, that's the one right. thing that you put in your strategy, not, you know, we don't change anything, we change anything, just just cultivate the culture of continuous improvement. Then every change that you do is a part of that, you know, continuous improvement. So I think I think that's important. 
But in the NVA, I think is one of the most uh, unique ones sort of on the market that that did carry the message of we're not going to, you know, you do you, and then we're not going to change anything. So how was that walking that line for you needing the data from all of these PIMs? I know you guys convert a lot to, to Avimart, but when you didn't convert, you had to work with what you have. And then you need to aggregate it at the top of the business systems and at the same time carry the message of we don't change. So how was that walking that line from technological perspective? And was there any sort of argument at the executive level saying, well, yes, we said that, but now we have to change because we're a big company. So can you give us a little bit of color what it was like? Sure. I can give some general thoughts there. I think there's definitely BD, business development messaging. Join SDU. A lot of multi-site operators have it resonates with a lot of multi-site operators, you know. And it is true that there's a lot to be said for standardizing onto one practice management system. But when I started at MBA, a lot of the data aggregation was done using proprietary in-house developed technology. So I, I actually don't think it's as important. This is my personal belief again. It's as important to strongly suggest or opt in, opt out, whether you're letting someone opt in or saying you can only opt out when certain conditions are met in terms of technology suggestions when you acquire a hospital. I don't think it's as important anymore, in my opinion, to force people to move onto one practice management system. And I think there are exceptions. Like, for instance, I can only guess, but BCA, as an example, when they standardized all their hospitals onto Wolfware, I believe, there were probably reasons for doing that. They also had a formulary in terms of how medicine was practiced. So again, technology is properly applied. You know, It needs to be applied consistently everywhere, then there's benefits. If it's not properly applied and it's not consistent everywhere, then trying to deploy a consistent system, one PIMS, when the hospital-level processes are differing, you know, codes, transaction codes are differing, how people manage their invoices, how things are edited are different, then you don't yield as much of the benefits. And I think the exception is perhaps if you're trying to comply to some kind of regulatory standard, then you need to potentially move on to one practice management system and lock things down. Otherwise, there's a better experience letting hospitals be and figuring out how to get that data smartly and then do what you need to do at a corporate level with it. And, you know. As our resident PIMS background guy here, <laughs> uh, coming from Hippo previously, I, you know, I'm a big fan of the PIMS, but Ivan, I think, has talked me into the value of both unification of PIMS and non-unification of PIMS, depending on the size of it. But you were talking about the need to be nimble, and it made me think of sort of in the technology scope, Moore's Law of the rapid pace of development of technology. And so do you think that that's one of those pieces that allowing outside companies like your company, BetSnap, being able to do the updates and the tweaks and the changes to software and allowing the consolidators to focus on running a large organization and practicing medicine and, and all of those things is maybe a better way to go as opposed to building a technology company that also happens to do practice management <laughs> and business and, and all of those things. I have seen a lot more solutions out there to access and integrate with, with different PIMs in the market. And, you know, for VetSnap, as an example, we don't 
do our own proprietary integration. We pay for integration. I remember when integration used to cost much more. And the costs have come down almost the same as Moore's Law. And it's become a lot more efficient yeah. to pay for integration. It no longer makes sense to have to build your stack up from the ground floor, so to speak, starting at the PIMS. just doesn't make sense anymore. So, yeah. The pricing has become really interesting in that across the scope there. And I remember even two years ago when we were looking at data migrations and things like that, you're talking several thousands of dollars in multiple weeks. And there's groups now that are doing those things in hours and for free. So really, really interesting there. With the different software packages. So right now there's, you know, things like like Pentaho or Snowflake and things like that. Is that applicable to our domain? Can we use like standard sort of data aggregators that will just, you know, bigger companies, other domains are using? Because I don't know, like there's so much stuff about the Snowflake and becoming such a big company, but I don't know. I, I know only one, I think, consolidator that considers that. Yeah. First of all, I'll just disclose, I am not a CIO by training, so I'm actually not too familiar other than <laughs> uh, you know, what I've heard in terms of Pentaho and Snowflake, other than Snowflake had a great IPO. But you're absolutely right. You're talking about using more robust solutions for doing data warehousing, data intake, structuring or restructuring, and then creating your data warehouse and creating the right ins and pathways in and pathways out to integrate with additional software. I, I think that's, that's the right way to go. That's certainly a great opportunity because in the past, veterinary consolidators needed to rely on very esoteric solutions that were built for specifically veterinary needs. I'll give an example. If you think about your review, online review management solutions, and you think about your net promoter score and things like that, there's a lot of solutions out there that are really good at helping you, but most of them are not interested in integrating directly with a practice management system, especially if there's you know 10 or 20 and five new ones every, every year now coming to market, right? So in the past, it's been very hard to, to do that, but it is now possible to leveraging the right data warehousing solutions, the right stack to push data from your PIMS, like your client information, and then push that into your review management software in order to, to help provide a better experience, as an example, with marketing and client reputation management. To shift a little bit here, if we were talking about, you know, we've talked about what the software does, but how would you go about staying focused for the smaller consolidators that are growing that maybe have limited human and financial capital? two different things I would bring up. First is there are certain decisions you want to make when you're young as a company that will affect the DNA of your company so that as you grow, those decisions help you scale more efficiently. And that would be what we just talked about, your data strategy. Because having the right data strategy when you're young will help you hire the right mix of people in order to support your growth. You know, as an example, if, if you're very inefficient, if you're very manual when you're young as a company and you continue to acquire at a 20% pace every year, after three or four years, this exponential growth has now caused your original two or three people in finance doing manual 
data loads from your practice management system on a monthly basis to close the books. Now those people have grown to be a team of 20, right? And, and it's not just 20 people doing the work. Now you need four managers and a director. So it's almost like the opposite exponential growth you want. So there are certain decisions you want to make when you're young in order to help your DNA scale or help your DNA be scalable. So that's one way of answering questions. There are certain things you, you do want to do ahead of time. Yeah. In terms of staying nimble, there's very few things. Just don't let great get in the way of good. A few really smart people told me that. And it just means like, just pick things that work. This is just my opinion. A lot of times as a consolidator, you buy a hospital. We're in a fantastic business. I really think so. Margins are good. Customers are loyal. Everything's growing year after year. We're, you know, through the recession, through this COVID pandemic, everything's just been really great. You may want to deploy technology in order to fix something or to feel like you're fixing something or to prove to them that you're adding value. And I would just suggest think twice before you do anything at a corporate level that affects the hospitals day to day. You may not need to fix anything. They might be perfectly happy the way they are. And then there are certain things where you, you may want to you know, give them suggestions, recommendations, and you know, we can get into the different areas since we're talking about back office technology right now, right? We can get into the different areas where you may have considerations for business development, considerations for marketing, for financial accounting, you know, different, different functionalities there and how it supports the hospitals. I think if we were to take what you said there and, and make it a quote, you could probably get to the front of every veterinary line if you ever need your, your pets to be seen by saying, just go ahead and leave the veterinarians alone. Let them do what they do best. Don't keep implementing things just for the sake of it. So yeah. that's a that's a smart way to look at it in a really, a really unique way. It's not always like, I think you make a good point. People want to do something to try and add value, but it might just distract. It's interesting because I always keep saying that let vets to do their vet work. It's not like <laughs> you can't come in from another industry or from the finance industry and be like, hey, we'll teach these idiots how to do their work. Mm -hmm. I mean, they might not know the business aspects of it, but I think that if you leave the veterinarians do their work and just help to point them in direction with your technology or shine the light on some metrics. I think that's important. And I think that that's what I'm, we're trying to say through here because at the end of it, all the data that you're cleaning, you're trying to get to the point where metrics matter. So it's really, I think, connecting the, the strategy, the balance scorecard level, and then trickling it down through the levels of organizations. And then everybody has the metric that amplifies what they do if this number is, is leveraged. But I don't think it's that easy in the veterinary domain. So with that, are there, you know, key KPIs that they, not just the clinic, but the entire organization can look at? Or is it consolidated to consolidated specific? Or is there five best KPIs to build your consolidation by Yang Shi? Can, can we do that? <laughs> Maybe. So I'll try to answer your question. <laughs> uh, and I think there's a, uh, fundamentally, I think things have changed. I think it's the first first thing I'll say. There's all kinds of metrics floating around when I when I started. Um, more reporting was asked for on a monthly basis. And I and I'd say that's probably the case with any multi-site operator that's rapidly growing. And each time you hire a new executive and each time you hire operation folks on the ground, they're gonna bring to the company different requests for things that they wanna monitor. 
I think multi-site operators starting out nowadays have it a lot better. So not to make an excuse for potentially just the degree of over-reporting, the complexity, and the difficulty in, I think, what you were saying, like reconciling metrics or uh, you know being able to take one number at a corporate level, break it down to the hospital level, and then be able to show to the doctor or to the HM at the hospital and then have them say like, yeah, I agree with that number. That was difficult. Totally. Multi-site operators today, they really have the ability to plan out their metrics. I don't know if there's there's exactly five that I, I would give. Any five I give, I think would just be any five that any of your consolidators would be able to name. And it would be very boring. Yeah, I think, you know, it's uh, it just reminded me, we were just talking about it today, the, the Cobra effect. I don't know if the listeners know about this, but it's like, are you pushing the right behavior with the right metrics? And I don't remember where it was, but I think the story is about like some country where they had problems with snakes. And then basically they started, they said, okay, why, why don't we leverage not the government money, but the general population and, and the resources? will leverage general population to catch those cobras and to decrease the population of cobras. So they said, we're going to pay like a dollar per cobra that you bring in and we will pay you. So it's interesting that the effect was that they started bringing millions of these snakes and they were like, oh my God, we didn't realize how bad the problem is. But the reality was that they were driving a different behavior. People started breeding them, killing them and bringing them for a buck a piece. That's a great sort of metric story that I think it's taught in, in business schools quite often. They talk about this cobra effect. I would need more than a dollar to <laughs> look at a cobra, breed a cobra, think about it, like, do anything. I don't think it was, in, I, I don't think it was in Texas. <laughs> yeah, was... <laughs> we already have enough snakes. Maybe a gardener snake I would like touch for a dollar or something, but that would be too scary <laughs> for me. Okay, well, Yang, I want to make sure you have given us so many great things to think about. But two questions that we ask everyone when we wrap up is that we like to hear if there's a book that you've been reading, a book you'd recommend, maybe a podcast, TED Talk, something like that. So what should people read about to gain some more of your sort of knowledge? I, I actually read a lot of, I wouldn't say trashy, but really entertaining <laughs> novels. I don't actually have time. You can recommend one of those too if you want. Harry Potter. No, no, no. Game uh, of Thrones. Don't call Harry Potter trashy. No. <laughs> uh, Harry Potter is awesome, by the way. And my wife and I would just yeah. restarted the series of movies now that it's on HBO Max. Um, <laughs> but you know, things things that I really enjoyed reading. One is Predictably Irrational, and it's by Dan Ariely. I, I think mm -hmm. I can't yeah. pronounce his yeah. last name. I think probably some of you've read it. It's just a really cool book. I don't think the Cobra metric is in there, but I guess it sounds like the kind of thing that Dan would be interested in covering. Yeah. The other one is, and you're asking me just general books that I enjoy, Sapiens. Yeah. I forget the name of the author, but it's, it's also a very good book. It's great for, I think it's relevant and germane to, to what we're talking about here because it talks about how humankind evolves from tribes and like, the relationships between people and how I think it was that book that talked about how corporate roles are kind of like religion and how the CEO is kind of like, I don't know if that's the book, but I think it's might be the CEO is kind of like the awesome. high priest, but yeah, uh, yeah. That, anyways, 
the Pope. That's what we do with Ivan. Yeah, Ivan's Ivan, our high priest. Ivan's the high priest slash Pope. Ivan the Pope. Yeah, yeah. And be- he's trying to convince us all to get his haircut, but we haven't converted that. <laughs> you'll get far. there. You'll work. You work work long <laughs> enough with me. You'll get there. So. Yeah, I think by nature. But okay. So then the last question, and then we'll then we'll wrap up. But who else would you recommend that we have on the show as a guest? Not to be self serving, I truly think he's just like a really great person to talk about a variety of subjects. And he's been in this industry for way longer than me. My co-founder and really good friend, Greg Schimpf. Greg was the head of contracts and procurement at MBA when I was the head of technology there. And we, we became really close friends almost immediately when I joined around five years ago. And he's just a really knowledgeable person. Consolidators will have a lot to gain from hearing his experiences at MBA and what he learned. And he's also just a really nice guy and entertaining person to talk to. So Awesome. Well, and so he is your co-founder, and I was going to give you a plug here, VetSnap. So VetSnap.com, V-E-T-S-N-A-P.com. So that's a great place for people to go to learn more about your inventory management products and, and the way that they can improve things um, at the practice level. Yeah. So, Really, really great stuff. I I know there was a, a ton of things more that we could learn from you and, and dive into as well. So we'll have to have you back and sure. we'll have to pick Greg's brain as well. But Yang, I really appreciate you being on the show. It was a pleasure to meet you. And again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, pleasure is all mine. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for listening to Consolidate That. If you want to hear our new episodes, please find us on any podcast platform. Also, you can learn more about us on our website at vetintegrations.com.